Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Mama Jack podcast. Today, I have a very special guest named Heather. She is a postpartum doula, and she's going to be talking a little bit about what she does and matrescence. That's right, matrescence. Have you heard of that word? If not, you should look it up or let's listen. Let's see what she has to say about it. Without further delay, here's my interview with the beautiful postpartum doula, Heather. Okay, so we have Heather. Heather is a postpartum doula, and she has a lot to talk about today. Heather, how are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? I'm doing, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Today's been an okay day. I was able to get out and have lunch with some friends, which doesn't happen very often. So that's always good, right? Yes. Okay, well, let's get right into it. So what do you do? Uh, Okay, great. So as you said, I am a postpartum doula. And that means that I am lucky enough to be able to support new parents uh, professionally as my career. So I provide a support for parents that's kind of maybe more similar to the way a family, extended family or community members, I have supported new parents in the past. So educational support, emotional support, and help around the house. That's amazing. So if I hired you and I had just had a baby, would you like as part of your, do you have like different plans? I guess I would say, I don't know what to call them. I would say plans. Like, let's say some is phone support and that's like a certain thing. And then you have in-home support, which is a certain thing. And then you can go farther and farther. Like baseline, what is the start of your job? Yeah, so there's basically three different ways that I support new parents. Um, One of them is doing home visits during the daytime uh, when I am in someone's home for usually about four hours at a time. uh, And I'm there to make sure they get something to eat. I give parents time if they need to take a shower or take a nap. I'm often there for like the first bath parents will for especially first time parents. uh, They'll ask me to help them get used to giving the baby a bath. Um, I teach everything from, you know, soothing techniques to baby wearing to car seat safety. I, I can help with breastfeeding, all of these types of things. And then usually there's also some laundry that happens to get done along the way um, or some dishes, all those things that tend to build up when you have a new baby. And sometimes it's just kind of sitting and, and talking and listening and answering questions and just being there. So mom doesn't, you know, feel so alone all day long with the baby. So that's one thing that I do. And then the second thing that I do is overnight visits where I help mostly with baby care during the night so that parents can get more sleep. And then the third thing that I do is virtual support. And I use a combination of Voxer calls, drop-in Zoom groups, and email resources to support parents 
without the home visit component as well. Nice. So what would you say is one of the biggest things parents hire you for? I think in general, just for support. When people are expecting a baby, there's a lot of focus. And when you have a new baby, there's a lot of focus on getting the baby's needs met and making sure you have all the supplies for the baby and the baby is fed and the baby is sleeping and all of those things, uh, which of course is so important. But There's not necessarily an automatic structure around making sure that the parents get their needs met so that they can take care of their baby. And that can look like a lot of different things and different days and in different families. But uh, I think that's just so important that it's not just about the baby when you have a baby, but it's about the parents as well. Yeah. Mothers get forgotten a lot in that. Fathers especially too, because The mothers just had the baby. The fathers are kind of just chilling with the baby. They haven't been around the baby like the mother has because obviously we grow them. So it's a little different for the dad. So you are just supporting and always possible if they need help with the baby, if they need help doing something themselves, if they have any questions about the newborn phase. God, would I have wanted to have a nighttime help? Oh my God, what a blessing that is for you to do. Yeah, thank you. I it's It really is a privilege for me as well, for these families that, you know, invite me into their home during this time of life when, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of a messy time. It's not always like your public face that you want to show to everyone, but I just kind of jump right in and, and roll up my sleeves and, and just do what needs to be done. Yes, that's awesome. That's amazing. So you wanted to talk about matrescence a little bit. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Uh, Yeah, sure. This is such an interesting concept that I have come across in doing my education and learning in this field. Uh, And again, it's kind of more focused on the mom side of things, which is what, what, and dads too, but what tends to get a little bit more overlooked when everyone is focusing on the baby. And what I have learned that I find really interesting is that there is this developmental stage that is being called matrescence, uh, that it's not something that people ever really thought about for a long time, but you're starting to hear more and more about it. And the word matrescence has a similar root to adolescence. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of drawing the parallels. We all know about like the developmental stage of adolescence and how things are changing physically, hormonally, developmentally. Um, There's so much that goes on. Uh, during that time, changes in the brain, uh, and all these different things. And so what they're finding is that it's very similar to the changes that happen when you are pregnant and when you have a baby. And all of these same areas, you're experiencing these like massive shifts in all of these same areas. So you're changing physically, you're changing mentally, your sense of identity is changing, Uh, hormonally there's these massive changes so there's all of these things that are changing and we just we don't have that 
concept uh, that you are going through this developmental stage as a new mother, especially. So once you have this idea in mind, it does kind of just shift the whole conversation because we, we can tell that like, it is a change. It is a, it's a stage. There's all of these changes happening. Like, of course it's going to be hard. Like we all know that, you know, when you're a teenager, it's hard because of all these things going on. Um, But then when you have a baby, we kind of expect that adjustment to just be like easy and, you know, sweet and like a, like a diaper commercial. Yeah. (laughs) And everything looks so beautiful. And obviously there are those sweet moments, but also there's these massive changes going on. So like, no wonder, Uh, So many people struggle with that time in their life. Yeah, I mean, I can tell you that I had postpartum anxiety, postpartum depression. So I was going through it. And it's like, you're right. No one ever talks about the aftercare of mothers. Um, I think physically and mentally, honestly, Mm -hmm. because your body is changing so much, so much. And... I hate the term when people are like, oh, a snapback, you know, as far as like Mm -hmm. physically and stuff. Like, I almost find it offensive when people say that because your body's never going to be the same. Your body is never going to be the same. You created a human and before you did not. And that is fine. Now you can find your new normal. But as far Mm -hmm. as like all this pressure for people to snap back, I feel like that puts out this image that like everything's going to go back to the way it used to be. You just have this beautiful baby and blah, blah, blah. Like I personally, when I hear that, it like kind of makes me livid. And I don't know if it's because I had such a hard time postpartum or Mm -hmm. if it's just not realistic, like it's not realistic. And Maybe for some people it is, but those people normally have money, have nannies, have trainers, have <laughs> had a dietitian their whole pregnancy. You know what I mean? And it's just for the average woman, like that's not how it works. And as far as mentally, I mean, I thought I was going nuts and it was crazy because you know, hormones one day you're fine and you're blissful and you're like, Oh yay, Everything's beautiful. The next day you're on a rampage, like, and mm-hmm. you don't know why. You don't know why, like maybe your baby pooped and you just start crying or like you're just sitting there watching something and start crying or like my husband would like a sock would miss the, you know, laundry basket. Like it was like crazy. And this is such an important time in a woman's life after she has a child. And I just I want to talk more and more about this subject because I feel like it's so important and it needs to be out there. It needs to be that third trimester. You know what I mean? Like we need Mm -hmm. to keep going with this. Like it doesn't stop when your baby comes, like your body is constantly training, is changing, especially when you're producing milk. Right. Cause Mm -hmm. I learned um, on my journey with my son, I tried to breastfeed him. It was not working. I tried for two months. I would try to latch. Then I would end up pumping And it was just like this horrible circle for two months that I barely got sleep. And I, you know, pumped a lot for a long time. I'd say for the first like Mm -hmm. six months, I was still doing every four hours around the clock. Okay. And then Mm -hmm. 
I didn't realize that every time you drop a pump slash every time you drop a feeding when you're breastfeeding, you get a fluctuation in hormones. Mm-hmm. So I would be like, okay, I'm going down. And so here I'm thinking that like my body's producing less, so it'll get better and better, right? I wasn't ready for that roller coaster ride each time. And I was like, what is going on with me? Like, this isn't me. And yes, like becoming that new person because we all change when we become mothers. Like you just, you change. I mean, I'd love to meet a woman that says, oh, things haven't really changed. Again, maybe they don't spend a lot of time with their baby then because you mentally, physically, like spiritually, even if you're not spiritual, your energy shifts so Mm -hmm. much. So have you, as far as the matrescence goes, that's part of the thing that you're helping these women with as a postpartum doula as well, right? Like educating them on what can happen afterwards and what your body's going to go through and what to expect. So if I came to you and I was like, I've heard of this matrescence, like I, you know, what does, like, what would you do to help me get through that time? Yeah, I think one of the things that makes it difficult uh, for new parents is that we haven't really spent a lot of time around other new parents. Um, And we, you know, we tend to be so isolated in our society. It's not like we're living in this kind of close knit community or extended family where, you know, our, our neighbor, our sister is having babies and we're around them the whole time before we even have babies and we just tend to be a lot more isolated in our culture so when these things happen it does feel like it hits us out of the blue we don't know what's going on we don't know what's normal what's not normal and so that's one of the things that I provide just being there spending time with you uh, listening kind of offering that sense of perspective you know, so if I've seen, you know, 15 other babies do something similar, you know, it's like, yeah, this is just something that, that tends to happen, it it will pass, or like, I'm not so sure about this. So, you know, I don't have any medical training. So definitely, if I see something that is even slightly concerning, my, my go to would be to recommend that you, you know, call your pediatrician, or I can give referrals to like lactation consultants and and different other professionals who might be able to help. But even with that, like you have a a 15 minute appointment with your doctor, you're trying to cram in all these questions and and all of these things. And it's, it's just a different experience. If I'm there with you, you know, sitting on the couch with you for a couple of hours and it's just more relaxed and more natural to kind of see how your, how your life is going and where those needs are. Yeah, because even when your family and friends come over to, quote, help, I feel like it's never in the way you need. Yeah. And I don't mean to sound rude, but it's never in the way you need. Like, now I know if I have somebody with a newborn around me, I would literally be like, what do you need? And I give them not only what do you need, but give them options because sometimes when you're so tired, it's a new baby. You don't even know what the hell you need. You're just like, <laughs> um, I, 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 you know, you're fine. Like I always found myself with my first, like, I'm fine. I got this. I'm fine. I got this. It's like, 
if somebody would have came and held him and took care of him for three hours while I could nap or somebody make me a meal while I handle him, you know, like, mm-hmm. cause he's my new fresh cry, yes. you know, like, so it was always something different and mm-hmm. it was just very, it's very interesting. And you're right. In our culture, you're not around a lot of people with newborns unless it's like, your sister, I mean, your brother's even pushing it because I feel like brothers are normally, it's more like the wife side that always comes in, like, yeah. normally. Um, but, yeah, we, we have a lot of barriers to that support. So, some, uh, we, you know, we tend to either live far away from family or just living kind of separate lives, working, you know, people are working full-time or they have health issues or there's just kind of emotional baggage you know we're having them around really isn't that helpful there's so many different barriers that it's just some people are lucky enough to have some really great support people in their lives and like I wish we could all have that but in our culture that tends to be the exception rather than the norm yeah yeah have you ever listened to the birth queens podcast no not that one it's a it's a one is a um doula and the other one is oh my god how a midwife and Mm -hmm. when I was pregnant that's all I listened to so it's funny most people but they don't talk a lot about postpartum it's all about Mm -hmm. pregnancy right because it's a doula and a midwife so yes I remember listening and I felt like I was so prepared for birth, which honestly I was, I was like, whatever happens, happens. This is what I'd like for to happen. But afterwards, like I felt like I was lost. Like, what the hell do I do now? Like, I remember when um, Kennedy came home with us the first night, like we were both, I think maybe I got 15 minutes of sleep that night. And my husband like started to literally go crazy. And I like had to make him leave. I was like, you go sleep and turn off the monitor in our room. I'm going to be in here. Luckily we had a bed in the same room as the like crib. We tried to keep him in the crib from day one. And it was just like, people don't prepare you for what's next. And it's, I mean, a lot of people aren't very honest with what's next either. Like, I'm the brutal truth, raw. This is what happened with my kids. I wanted to go nuts. I would cry. We would cry together. But also, now, my kids are three and a half and 18 months soon. And you kind of miss them. Like, you don't realize, like, that intimate moment at night when you're up with them all alone is such a special experience, even if you're hating life. Like, in the future, you're going to be like, oh, my God, that was so sweet. But it does Mm -hmm. not feel sweet when it's happening and you're sleep-deprived and, like... (laughs) Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it really is a shame that, like... In our society as new moms, we have to cope with so much that, like, we have those moments that we get to enjoy, but we don't get to really, like, absorb all the wonderful things about that time because so much of our energy is put towards just surviving and making it through. Yeah, for sure. So do you normally work with people that don't have family around? 
Yeah, that's often the case. Sometimes I kind we kind of work around it. So they if, if they have family coming for a few weeks or whatever, then I might fill in the gaps or come in, you know, sometimes when dads or partners are going back to work after a leave, that may be more of the time. And then other times it's it's kind of right away when they get home from the hospital. I think that's another. So it really it's it's very individual to the to the needs and to the situation. And I have to say, like, I felt the same way as you with my oldest. It's kind of like, especially as first time parents, it, it's like you spend so much time and, and energy preparing for the birth. It's kind of like preparing for a, a wedding and being completely focused on the wedding day and not thinking at all about like the rest of your life, how yeah. it's going to change you get married. And it, it really is kind of like that that tunnel vision. And when I had my oldest, uh, we were actually living overseas in Asia. So very far away from any kind of extended family, you know, and everyone was telling me like, oh, you know, you're so brave having a baby in another country, blah, 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 blah. And, but honestly, I really wasn't brave at all. I was just like completely naive and I had no idea what I was getting myself into in hindsight like I can't even believe that I did that (laughs) but you you just don't know like you don't know what you don't know I mean if I could choose to go back in time I would have moved to like Germany to have my kids (laughs) because I feel like they have the best like postnatal care in the world yeah I just keep it like the U.S. needs to do better they need to do better and not even with like paid time off okay like that's one thing right looking after the mothers the mother should have an aftercare treatment plan with psychologists with you know physical therapists with all of these things and it's just like oh no you know you had separation in your stomach muscles it'll go back it's fine you know maybe you might need a little bit oh oh you pee your pants every time you sneeze oh that's normal when it's really not like it's really Mm -hmm. not there's stuff happening like you need pelvic floor physical therapy and there and mentally I mean dang girl I checked every box I checked every box at the pediatrician every time I was just fine but this mama I'm telling you I had so many mornings of waking up and crying because I woke up and it was just like (laughs) I could not believe that nobody no doctor caught that from me like it was so they just asked such general questions it's almost like they don't want to deal with it and yeah it's it's true I've actually heard in a training about how you know for a long time a lot of doctors offices were choosing not to screen for postpartum depression and anxiety because if someone screened positive they didn't know what to do they didn't have any next step to take so they just kind of ignored it and swept it under the rug like it really is such a shame that we you know in this country we have to be so proactive to get help and like just keep keep looking and keep looking and uh, if you don't know where to look or what to do or you know you can reach out and ask and get told no, like you have to keep asking and keep asking. And 
Like that's not something that uh, a, a woman should have to do while she's going through all of the other things that she's going through. No, I totally agree with you. And you know what? Sometimes after dealing with a newborn and all this stuff at the end of the day, you just don't want to like, and you know, the whole like baby blues thing. I just think there needs to be a lot more education about what ha- can happen mm-hmm. post because baby blues. Okay. Yes. I had both. I had baby blues and postpartum depression. Baby blues was very different than my postpartum depression. Baby blues mm-hmm. was me crying was me like, like a very small transition postpartum depression was rage was you know disassociation was all I mean I could name you 50 million things I have a whole podcast about it and it's just I don't understand so if you go into a house and there's a mother showing symptoms of postpartum depression or anxiety or psychosis how do you approach that again that really depends on the situation Um, but I do have lots of resources uh, whether that be online resources therapists doctors uh, obviously I I have not encountered this uh, personally fortunately but you know obviously if I was concerned about psychosis that's a that's a medical emergency that's like a 911 call you know yeah. right off the bat if it's if it's something that's extremely concerning like that which which is it happens but uh, it's also very rare and it's not something that I personally have come across but definitely lots of you know anxiety and sometimes it's it's a judgment call, you know, what, again, what is kind of normal that, that comes with the territory of having these responsibilities and this heightened awareness and all of this stuff. And like, when does someone need extra help and what's going to be helpful for that person? You know, is it just getting more of a break, getting some exercise? Is it seeing a professional? So again, it's a lot of just conversations, a lot of listening, uh, making resources available. And then, you know, it, it's it's up to each family to uh, decide also how they want to proceed with that, because I can't, you know, force them to do anything. So sometimes it's just me being there that that's going to be kind of the help that that they can accept in that moment. So what is like, true postpartum psychosis because I had a friend that went to her doctor and said she was having visions of her like throwing her baby on the ground and the doctor said that is normal it'll pass and she's like that is not normal I need to see a therapist or a psychiatrist and had to push the doctor would that be considered psychosis or are we talking like something completely different yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm not an expert. I'm not a psychiatrist, but in my understanding, like there are different levels. So there is such a thing as intrusive thoughts, um, which are very common. They, they don't feel normal at all, um, but they 
they happen quite frequently, um, especially for new parents who do maybe picture or think kind of those what if thoughts, like what if this horrible thing happened? What if I did this horrible thing? And it can be very shocking and very difficult to talk about. Um, but it is kind of, it, it is a way that the brain has of protecting your baby. So it, it comes with anxiety, uh, definitely. But it's kind of like your brain thinking through, like, in this worst case scenario, like, how can, how would we handle this? How would we cope? How would we protect the baby if this horrible thing were to happen? Mm -hmm. um, so definitely, like, like therapy, being able to talk about it, uh, seeing someone about it, uh, definitely, because they can be extremely disturbing and feel really awful. But they're not necessarily a sign of like a psychosis. Mm -hmm. um, they're actually quite common. So in a psychosis, it's more like a break with reality. And it's a shift. It's not like, oh, what if this happened? It's more like, oh, I should do this. Yeah. Um, and so that's something that uh, does is is not common and, and is clearly not normal, but it's feeling more of like that that urge to actually do it. So if you feel like, oh, what if I dropped my baby, you know, and, and it's like it horrifies you and you're like, I like I can't imagine that I'm thinking this and mm -hmm. uh, this is not normal. This is terrible. Like that's actually that's a good thing. Like that's a sign that like, you know, you're, you're thinking about this thing, but you know, this is not the right thing. Yeah. But if you're, you know, if you have those kind of sneaking thoughts, like, oh, maybe like I should do this, like this is the, the, the right thing to do, or like you're, you know, seeing or, or hearing things that, that aren't there and you're just really kind of losing that connection with reality, like that's, that's a psychosis and that's the, uh, like a medical emergency. That's so scary. And that's yeah. all be caused by hormones, correct? Yeah, I mean, I don't think there really is not a, a, as much research as there should be. But definitely, um, I think that hormones would, would play a huge part in that. And like I said, it's extremely rare, but it does happen. And we actually had a recently, uh, just this year, uh, in, in not too far from me in Boston, there was there was a, a tragedy that was related to postpartum psychosis. So that was really difficult to hear about. I feel like that's where we're messing up in the whole system, right? For women, it's like, if we would have had something in place, or if there would be something in place, that's like, oh, you know, you have to see a psychologist, or we recommend you see us even we recommend you see a psychologist and this and that and that, then maybe they could have caught it well, well before anything happened, you know, like, it's, it like, I know this sounds nuts. And a lot of people that don't have kids and haven't been through it. Like, I feel for the women that go through that and do those things. Because, you know, once she snaps out of that, and she's back in her normal state of mind, she's never going to be able to live with herself. Yeah. I mean, I just think of the poor woman, like, oh, God, it was years ago that, you know, ended up, you know, this is very trigger worthy, but drowning her kids in the bathtub. And mm -hmm. I was just like, you know, when I heard about it, I was like a teenager, I think when that story came out. And 
now after having kids, I'm like, that poor woman. How ignored was she? There had to have been clear signs of this coming. Like, I almost felt like the husband is at fault. Like, everybody that came to visit is at fault. And they should be part of the whole, like, trial and everything like that. Because they. how can you see a woman suffering so much and not say anything? Like, it's one thing if you're like, hey, we tried to get her somewhere. But you can literally call 911 on somebody and they will take them away for those thoughts like that. So in my opinion, like, she had a husband. Like, where the hell was he, you know? And not that it makes it any less horrible, but I think people overlook that these aren't people that are right in the mind. This is something taking over. And I've never had anything like that happen to me, but I've had, you know, times where I will just break in my head and, you know, I was hurting myself and it wasn't like I could even think about it. This was like, immediate reaction now I talked to my therapist it's handled it hasn't happened in a very long time but she said it was from PTSD and when you're you lose control in your life you can have moments where you snap and one of the ways to take control is self-harm because you're doing it to Mm -hmm. yourself so it's just and for me like my husband you know heard of that I I hid it from him for a while but once he saw it happen, he right away, we need to get you to talk to somebody. We need to get you into therapy. Like you need to have more help, Jackie, because something isn't lining up here. Like this is not you. You haven't been my wife in a very long time. He wasn't picking on me, but I knew what he was saying was true. Yeah. You know? That's why the whole matrescence thing and stuff I think is so important. And I think needs to be taught as you're pregnant. I think it needs to be taught before you decide to have a kid like all of this stuff before you decide to have a kid because it is not for the weak you know Mm -hmm. yeah I mean systematically there there's so many things that you know fall short in this area and the other thing that blows my mind is just thinking about how you know this seems normal to us because it's how life has been roughly for the past few generations. But thinking about it in terms of like human history as a whole, you know, 99.9% of human history, when, when people were having babies, they were living in these close knit groups. There was groups of, you know, women around them who would, and, and, and men and families, and, and they would, be raising their children together. And when someone had a baby, the other people were around to take care of the mom, to take care of the baby. And that was just the the normal thing. And it's not the normal thing in our society. And it like, then we get these feelings like, you know, as a mom, we, we should have it all together. We should be able to snap back and, and take care of our kids and love every moment of it. And it's like, that's not, you know, biologically, historically, that's not how it works. And it's normal to have people around you helping you. It's normal to, you know, not come home from the hospital to an empty house with a baby and be like, hey, good luck. See you in six weeks. Like, that's, that's not the normal uh, human way of having babies. And so I think just, you know, systematically, everything 
all of the the helpers, the psychiatrists, the physical therapists, like they can even be hard to access. It can be hard to find someone in your community or someone who has availability to see new patients or someone you can afford on your insurance. And like, there's just so many layers and, and barriers. And, you know, we have this shame where we don't want to talk about what we're going through because we think we're the only one. So then everyone thinks they're the only one. And it's just, you know, little by little, we got to kind of break out of that. Yeah, that's what that's literally what I made this podcast for was to talk about everything that people don't talk about because and I and I have to say um I've been listening over the past couple of days I've been uh listening to some of your episodes and like I'm just really grateful for you and the work that you're doing cuz this is exactly what needs to happen and and it's not easy it's it's hard for those of us who kind of stand up and, and speak out about it but nothing is going to change if we don't. Exactly. And that's my whole purpose. I hope one day I can have enough ears on me that maybe I can start a women's foundation that helps with this kind of stuff. And, or we can change something. I mean, like I said, in Germany, I think you get an overnight um, helper for like the first couple weeks or something. It's like what they do. It's just what they do. Like, it's not even a question. Like, that's just what happens. Like, they book you somebody and that's that, you know? And it's just so different. I don't know. I don't know. I I don't really want to get in. I could chat about politics Mm -hmm. all day with this stuff. Like, all day. But I'm going to ask you a question for the mothers to be. What are the things, postpartum-wise, that you suggest we all have in our house before the baby comes for the mother. That that's a great question. And, uh, you know, personally, I actually don't have a ton of like product uh, recommendations. I know there's tons of things out there, you know, that, that you can buy and, and all the different products that kind of try to fill this gap. But to me, the, the most important thing, you know, as we've been talking, it, it, is to have the people around you, the support, the communication, um, you know, and not just warm bodies, but like people that you can really connect with who listen to you, who care about you, and also professionals. I think it's very, very helpful if you can connect you know, if you're thinking about breastfeeding, connect with a lactation consultant before you give birth. And then you'll have that person, you know them, you mm-hmm. feel comfortable with them, you have their number in your back pocket, you don't have to be online, you know, googling lactation consultants at, at, at 2am when you haven't slept for three weeks. Connect with a, a psychologist, connect with a mom's group, like go to your local mom's group before you have the baby. Um, you're, you're a mom, you're, you're pregnant, your baby hasn't been born yet, but like you're a mom and go there and make those connections, have those conversations with your partner. Like if I'm feeling rage, like this is what I want you to do. This is what would be helpful for me in that moment, you know, or if you're feeling left out, like, how do you want to handle that? And like to sit down and have those conversations, and, and 
you know, it's great to go shopping and do the baby registries and buy all the stuff. And that's a lot of fun. But, you know, once you have that baby and you're experiencing the matrescence and the sleep deprivation, like all the cute little outfits in the world aren't going to be that helpful. So I think, you know, it, if you can, investing in a postpartum doula or a house cleaner or a meal service or whatever it is that that you think could be helpful for you. Uh, but you just kind of have that focus on the emotional preparation and the support, um, at least as much as on going out and buying all the, all the things. I agree with that. I mean, because really the hospital should give you everything you need for recovery. Mm-hmm. People don't yeah. realize that and they go out and buy stuff. Although I do have to say the Frida mom kit was the shit after my second kid. Those like iced pads were like mm-hmm. the best thing that happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> but you can make your own at home too. Like I could, they call them pad sickles, you know, where you mm-hmm. put like aloe and lavender and what is what um, witch hazel on them. And then you yeah. put them in the freezer you know, but yes, I mean, that freedom mom kit was great. And the underwear, I mean, I'm a weirdo. I like, like the hospital (laughs) underwear. (laughs) Yes. When you're in the hospital, collect all of the mesh underwear, just keep putting it in your suitcase and they'll keep bringing you more. (laughs) Yeah. It's so weird. Everyone's like, oh, they're so horrible. I'm like, why do I kind of like it? It's like airy and not tight. And I like it like a weirdo but um okay so any other advice that you have for new moms or not so new moms because right every baby is not the same and every pregnancy is not the same and every postpartum is not the same yeah and and it's true um we hear the word postpartum a lot and think you know in terms of like postpartum depression postpartum anxiety. um, And those are definitely real things. But the word postpartum itself just means after birth. So anyone who's given birth is postpartum, like technically, like technically, there's no end limit, like for the rest of your life, it's after you've given birth. And sometimes those those challenges can show up uh, years later. And and I think and, and there's new challenges too, like, it, it's different. My kids are older now. Uh, and there's definitely certain things that have gotten easier. But overall, like when you're a mom, it it, it doesn't really it, like it's different. But it's always it's there's always those challenges. And you have these, you know, human beings that you love so much. But there's there's always challenges, even when they're adults. And And I think my big you know, my, my, my heart for moms is just to, to be gentle with ourselves and, you know, to love ourselves, to accept where we're at, to recognize that, like, it is the fact that things are hard for us as moms, like, it's not a sign that we're failing as people. Um, but really, we live in this culture and the society that has failed us as moms. And the fact that we're having these struggles, and we're working so hard, and we're loving our kids, and we're getting through it, and we're being there for our families, like, we're, we're so, so strong. And like, we're coping with this this, you know, some aspects of our situation as moms in this country are really terrible, but like, 
we're still there. We're still there for our kids and we love them and we're trying to do our best for them. And like, we, we really are like, it's an amazing thing. It is amazing thing. It's an amazing thing. It's a huge change. Yes. Huge change. Huge. Um, like I said, unless you have a lot of money and can pay people to do everything and you just get to see your kid to say, hi, oh, I love you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. and, and that's a village. Like, it, yeah. it, it used to just naturally happen. You wouldn't have to pay any money or go out and look for it. You just, when you had a baby, there was this village around you. And now it's just something that takes a lot of effort and uh, financial resources and, and time resources to kind of build up for yeah. yourself. I don't know, girl. I'm still... If, if postpartum is after birth, I'm still postpartum. Mm-hmm. If you were closer, I might pay you to come over here in the morning and get my kids up <laughs> so I can freaking have my coffee and just chill in peace because that is my need right now. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, thank um, you so much for being on. Is there anything else you wanted to say? I just, if you don't mind, I I do offer a few um, free resources for parents that I would love to let people know about. Go ahead, Um, girl. And I, I mean, I I love being a postpartum doula and doing these home visits. um, But obviously, it's not like financially feasible for everyone. And I really want to be able to help as many people as I can. So one thing that I do, I do once a month, I have a free uh, Zoom meetup and I invite expectant parents, new parents, and also more experienced parents. And generally what I do is pick a topic like baby feeding or going back to work or sleep. And I ask for some parents to just come and tell their personal stories so that, you know, we're not so isolated. We hear what it's like for other people. And it's also really helpful for expectant parents or or newborn parents to hear other people's experiences. So I do that once a month on the weekends. And also on my website, I have a free, I call it like the nesting guide or the nesting journal. And it's just a download that you can go through and and really focus it's like that emotional support person version of a baby registry so there's Mm -hmm. journal prompts to think about you know what challenges do you anticipate what do you think would be helpful for you there's a list of resources to kind of get you started there's pages to fill in like for different numbers of people that you can research in your community. There's conversation starters to have those talks with your partner, all sorts of things there that you can download from my website. That's amazing. So what is your website? So it's infantconcierge.com. Okay. And I'll, I'll post that in the description of the podcast as well. So everybody will have that and I'll post it on my Instagram whenever I you know, put this up and everything. So yes, everybody thank can have you. That. I'm also, I'm on Instagram. I'm on Facebook at infant concierge as well. So I put okay. all the information there for the, for the monthly meetups and, and all those things. Um, may, I mean, I want to be a part of one of those. I of just course. don't know if I scare people. <laughs> That's what I always tell new parents, like people that are going to be a parent or are <laughs> like thinking about having kids. I'm like, listen to my podcast with caution. <laughs> because I'm giving you my my real truth not everybody's Mm -hmm. real truth but Mm -hmm. my real truth and you know I always say that because it is a little much to handle when you're like 
in that phase of, oh, yay, I can't wait to have a baby. And then you hear about my postpartum depression and my anxiety and mental breakdown and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, oh, my God, do I want to have a baby? Guess what? They are the freaking best thing in the world. Mm-hmm. After my postpartum depression got handled and my mental breakdown was over, the love that you feel in your heart towards those humans is indescribable. You cannot yeah. describe it. You feel it in all of your body, all of <laughs> your body. And I truly mean that. So I'm sorry if I scare anybody on my podcast. <laughs> I'm just going to put that out there right now. <laughs> it really, It really is one of the hardest working things you'll ever do but there's just nothing like having those little gremlins with you you know it's true I know definitely yeah well thank you thank you so much for everything today it was wonderful talking to you and I can't wait to be a part of one of your zooms oh great thank you and thank you for everything that you're doing as well Mm mm-hmm Wow, well, we sure did learn a lot in that one, didn't we? I mean, having a postpartum doula, I feel like, is just the best thing in the world. I personally didn't get to have one, and man, am I jealous of the people that hire them. They're just there for you, for you. And then if you need help with your baby, they know some of that too. They could help you with that. But the most important thing about after delivering your child is you. You need your rest. You need care as well. And I think through listening to that interview, you can see how important that is. And we forget about ourselves a lot in this journey. And if you have the option of having a postpartum doula, I mean, duh, you should get one. They're nothing but help and love for you. Thank you so much for listening to the Mama Jack podcast. You can find me on TikTok, the Mama Jack. You can find me on Instagram, the Mama Jack. And Facebook, the Mama Jack. I am everywhere. If you have any comments, if you have any suggestions for episodes, please contact me. I would love to hear that. And if you can, leave me a review. I would love to hear what you think about this. Thank you so much for listening again and stay tuned for the next episode.